0: welcome to another episode of the grapevine brought to you by herdify.com uh this week we're continuing our new format so we've got a great a great interview in a minute with chloe thomas i'm gonna let chloe interview herself so you'll hear from her in a minute and then i'm gonna come back after that interview um with ed and then we're going to sort of talk through that and, and do some sort of post interview analysis if you like uh with with especially on this one behavioral science uh the the topic of the conversation with chloe you know not to ruin it for you is all about sustainability on uh within e-commerce and you know even as you say that you know you can probably appreciate there's some tension within that and chloe does a great job of breaking that down but when we talk about sustainability the big part of that is behavioral change so you know Stick with us. Listen to the listen to the conversation with Chloe, and then at the end uh, we'll hear from Ed from a kind of a behavioural science and, and influence point of view, which I think you know is always fascinating. But within the topic of sustainability, is is super super important and super super relevant. So um, I'm going to stop nattering. We're going to pass you over to the interview with Chloe. Hope you enjoy that, and then I'll be back uh, once that's done with Ed. So enjoy. Hello, Chloe. Welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm good, Tom. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show.
0: Lovely to have you. I think uh, probably the best place to start. Could you give us uh, give us a bit about yourself, tell our listeners about you and, and tell them about the, the shows that you do as well?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I have been in the wonderful world of e-commerce for nearly 20 years now. For those watching the video can see from my gray hairs i think each one's down to probably a site move you can put each each clump down to a site migration um and for the last since 2015 i've been podcasting and now i've reached a point where i'm lucky enough to spend most of my life podcasting speaking and thinking for a living which i'm aware is a very privileged position to be in i have two podcasts there's the e-commerce master plan podcast where we interview retailers and there is the uh, keep optimizing podcast, where each month we focus on a different marketing method, and each week we interview a different expert on it. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm up to these awesome. days.
0: Awesome! Wow! So you've been podcasting since the beginning almost it's not like now when everyone does a podcast we, we jumped on the bandwagon sort of 18 months ago but you, you've been there first for the for the long haul
1: well you say that but back in 2015 shortly after I started I remember being in some podcasting webinar or something and they were discussing is podcasting dead so um <laughs> it's wow, okay clearly it wasn't dead at the time it's not dead now but um i was worried i was late to the game in 2015 so um i think i think me- most things go through that cycle of you're you're always thinking is this too late is it too late it too
0: late yeah 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 agree awesome one well, thank you great intro and at the end we'll make sure that we uh, recap the names of the podcast so people can find you after this um cool. hopefully they won't leave before we've got to the end of our conversation um but after we finished go and listen definitely so now wanted to kind of get you on You uh, yeah wanted to talk to you for a while chloe um you talk a lot about e-commerce and sustainability which i think is a really interesting conversation um and i think the kind of the first thing the first thing that always gets my my thoughts going there like are they not are they not at the opposite end of the spectrum you know it's just you know a big thing about sustainability is we just need to buy less, right? But e-commerce is fundamentally about selling things, and you know you've been in this space for ages. I'd love to hear how how you think about those two those two forces pulling at pulling at each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, let, let's hit the nail on the head. Um, fundamentally, to save the human friendly planet, we need to consume fewer resources because we're consuming way more as a as a a, a as an as a group of humans, we are consuming way more. and here in the UK, we are amongst one of the worst countries for consuming more than we should. So yeah, there is there is definitely an opposing force between should should we be doing e-commerce at all? And um, I I took my business on this journey from being all about e-commerce growth and encouraging people and helping people achieve e-commerce growth to caring about sustainability about almost 18 months ago now, which was after, after my own dark night, or dark weekend it was, dealing with exactly the question you just posed, I, w- went, I attended a virtual conference, got properly freaked out by the Armageddon-style presentations, and and kind of went, oh my God, I'm in one of the worst industries for this. I've been helping people destroy the planet, essentially. Maybe I should jack it all in. And then I kind of realised that... <laughs> E-commerce isn't going anywhere. Shopping isn't going anywhere. The consumer brain is programmed to want new things, to want things. If you you go back to like the earliest time, earliest civilizations, five six thousand years ago, and they found I think it's in Syria, they found these these tablets of a woman writing to her, her husband, who's a merchant trader, who's off somewhere, saying, "Darling, I hope all's going well." by the way, when are we extending the house? Because Marjorie across the road has extended her house and it looks great. When can we do ours? Right? This is thousands of years ago, humans doing this. So we, you know, there is always going to be this need. So I think as, and what the decision I came to was to be part of the solution rather than going, I'm getting out of this mess. And that's why I changed my business. So, you know, we're all about, helping people and inspiring people in the industry to start putting that sustainability message front and center so yeah there is we're getting to the point where we're going to need to be needing to be asking the question should your e-commerce business exist does anyone really need your products to be created but in the process we also need to have start start encouraging everyone in the industry to be going How can I make my products as sustainable as possible? How can I run my business as sustainably as possible? And most importantly, how can we encourage consumers to change their buying habits in a way that doesn't destroy um, our economies, because that will also is not helpful in destroying, in, you know, in saving the planet. So there's, It's an endless contradiction, basically, Tom, which I could waffle on about for hours.
0: (laughs) No, do you know what? I think it's a brilliant answer. You know, I I have this debate with with a lot of people because, you know, people simply think people should just stop doing things. And I get that. Like, the ideal answer is let's just stop doing things. But actually, behavioural change for people, you know, we know smoking is bad for us, right, on an individual level. And yet, you know, how hard is it to, to get the majority of people to stop smoking? Whereas climate change is something that's not as physically affecting, like when I walk upstairs and I can't breathe, you know, I don't, I don't walk upstairs and think the world is, is, is dying. So behavioral change is really hard. So it's almost, we either say the easy option is get people to change their behavior or, and I love the way you phrased it, we're not going to change people's behavior as easily. So let's make the behaviors they are doing more sustainable, but we're going to have to do some behavior change along the way, but people are still going to shop, right? So let's make shopping not as impactful.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm part way through a phenomenal book on the topic. Um, we
0: love a good book recommendation. Brought. Which
1: I've just totally slightly forgotten the name of. It. It's, it's called um, What Happens? What if the world stopped shopping? Is the title, and it's a guy diving into what would the consequences be if we all stopped shopping. But from a, I'm about halfway through, and it's. It's actually if consumerism dropped by 25% overnight, not totally stop shopping, but dropped by just 25%. Mm-hmm. And the impact that makes on the planet is huge. And potentially on the economic side of things, but I'm only halfway through because I haven't fully got to the conclusion yet. But the reason I bring it up is because actually we don't need to stop consuming. We need to consume more, mindfully more thoughtfully and dropping by 25 percent yeah and spending that 75 percent on the right things makes a massive difference to the planet and so forth so it makes sense i think it's more i think i'm hoping it's going to be more fun and more rewarding to be part of the solution than it is just to kind of run and hide and do something else
0: (laughs) okay i get that then i guess the then being part of the solution you know we're trying to help you know, brands be more sustainable. And I was reading, it was the sustainability benchmark of the global elite 250. Um, lots of lots of good reading in there, but the big takeaway for me is sustainable brands have a higher cost, which is no great surprise. How do you think about that for, you know, especially as a lot of brands that are sustainable are probably more younger challenger brands. Like how do they compete in this, you know, this world right now where it's hard to raise money, consumers aren't spending, costs are going up anyway, and then you add a sustainability cost. like how do you see brands tackling that, that piece to kind of you know stay relevant and stay alive while doing the right thing?
1: I mean, I think potentially the individual price per item might be higher for a sustainable brand, but if you're buying a sustainable product, it should last for longer. So overall, it tends to work out more cost-effective. You know, if you're buying a whole load of fast fashion, versus buying some solid basics which are going to work well for the next five years you're yes the 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 cash flow impact is fairly negative but the overall impact is lower and then you you know you come to brands like cheeky wipes who make um period pants and they're called cheeky wipes because they started off by making um reusable baby wipes sets essentially and yes on the day you buy it, it costs a lot more than a sachet of baby wipes. But over the life, over the baby life of that child, so you keep using them to age five, it's going to save you a huge quantity of money. It's better for your skin, it's better for the baby, it's better for the planet. And actually, it, it's going to save you an awful lot of money over that time span. So I think it's to answer your question what does a sustainable brand do about the fact that their product is at a higher price point? It's that you make sure your marketing messages are emphasising the right part of that mix. And you're saying, look, you, you, normally you might buy X number of baby wipes over this time span, which is going to cost you this much per year. Yeah. Buy our product today and over the course of the rest of the year, it's going to save you 20 quid. Over the next five years, it's going to save you 300 quid or whatever that might be. And then oh, you yes. get to feel good about the planet. Yeah, things. yeah. yeah. Um, so I... I get the price impact. Personally, I think more of a barrier to consumers is the confusion factor of trying to be sustainable. Yeah. Because you know, you can get you can tie yourself up in not trying to work out what the right thing is to do. Is it bamboo? Is it cotton? Is it recyclable? Oh, but almonds use up loads of water in their production, then get shipped across the world. But cow milk uses creates methane which is and you you know you just trying to make these decisions the consumer's head kind of spins to the point it explodes and when we you know it's, it's neurologically proven we can only handle so many decisions a day and if you if you get decision fatigue you just go well i always buy this one yeah i know it's definitely bad for the planet but i always buy it i know it's reliable so i'll just go back to that because you know i mean that kind of like head spinning around and flying off space trying to make the right decision so i think education is a key part in helping consumers making better decisions and i think the educational side gets us around that price point issue and then i think in a year like this one where the economic situation is not the greatest we have you know it's a great time with all the other factors going on in the industry to be building stronger relationships with our customers and if we are educating them and we are helping them feel good about themselves because they know they're confident in their decisions they're making better decisions that they can feel smug about Mm -hmm. then we get to a point where we build stronger relationships so we keep them for longer as customers and they then become advocates talking about us that was a very long, I covered a lot of topics there. So oh my, I hope that answers no, it was the question.
0: Great. It was great. And the, I love the fact you ended with uh, a word of mouth as well, without about getting people talking about you. I'm not going to pull at that string though. I was just very happy <laughs> to see the word of mouth because that's obviously the thing that I heard, if I, heard if I talk a lot about. And I think I the bit I really like there is is the education piece. And, and I wonder, like in you, know, you you speak to and see a lot of brands in this space, are... Are these brands sort of joining up together to do joint education you know, against the the incumbent that's not sustainable, right? Because they have got two competitors, they've got to dislodge the unsustainable you know giant in the room, and then they're always going to be healthy competition within the sustainable channel as well. And are, are they all are they all trying to you know do their education piecemeal, or, or actually you seeing brands get together and say look we need to educate on the sustainability piece. Once we've got them thinking about that. Then we can have the you know the product level comparisons down the line. Like what's happening actually out day to day that you're seeing.
1: That's a great question. I'm not immediately thinking of anyone who okay. is joining together to do it. There, I mean, there's, there's obviously partnerships between the brands. We see a lot of kind of marketplaces and department stores for yeah, yeah. for good things who are bringing different brands together. I think I think people and brands are still nervous and confused about how to educate Mm -hmm. because i think there is there's this feeling this underlying feeling that you've got to be perfect before you can talk about it yeah you know it's like oh we still we still have some plastic packaging so we can't talk about you know we've done 90 percent of it but we can't talk about that because we haven't done this little bit and someone might not like it because we haven't done this bit and i think you also get brands who who are so scared of being accused of greenwashing
2: that oh. they just go
1: well we'll do these things but we're not going to tell anyone about it and i think and there's also the whole angle of as we were talking about earlier which is the angle that the, that is going to resonate with the consumer. consumer yeah you know is it in the case of cheeky you know cheeky the cheeky wipes example the baby wipes example is it that the it's better for your hands is that what you know if that's what resonates with the customer and that's what makes them change it doesn't really matter about you know the sustainability comes in the post-purchase to uh-huh. educate them then um so it so how you go about educating the customer and how you bring that into your marketing is something i'm frequently asking the guests to try and work it out and usually it tends it see that it sits post-purchase so we get them in because our product is amazing and then we remind them of the sustainability elements later. Yeah. Or it's slightly adjacent to the sustainability. Yeah. So I was talking I interviewed yesterday a brand called Blue Salt from the states who create a uh, really great basics for your wardrobe. So the idea is you have this capsule wardrobe of good for the planet clothing and yeah. then that will see you through. High price point basics but but really solid basics. Most of their marketing is around how to build your wardrobe around a capsule okay so it's not going you here's how not to buy 30 items a season it's yeah. going around here's the really clever way that you can travel with less in your suitcase you can worry less about the product he, you know about do i have the right outfit here's how to do it and accessorize it with a couple of pieces and that's where they focus on their marketing so it's kind Smart. of it's not it's the benefits of making the sustainable choice rather than sustainability this is great. itself yeah so you you kind of yeah. have the the sustainability is there for someone to get to grips with but it's the the core marketing messages are often slightly adjacent but it's I think it's probably the most interesting part of e-commerce and sustainability at the moment is how we help the consumer learn and I don't think anyone has fully nailed it yet uh, if you no. think you have Please come and tell me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, well, everyone, everyone's got your details, so they know where to find <laughs> you. But but I think I think you're bang on, right? Because I think it's, I hadn't thought of it like that. But it's an interesting angle because I think most of us want to be as sustainable as we can, right? But uh, but you still got the thing you're trying to achieve. So actually, what they're doing there, I think, is really smart. Is is getting them to think better about their lives with a sustainable benefit as opposed to, well, yeah, I know I've, I should buy sustainable clothes, but I don't really like those i don't i don't know how that's going to fit in with you know what else everywhere else i wear you know, i've got different dresses and trousers and shirts that i need to wear so there yeah, i think it's a really smart smart approach i,
1: mean, the- I, I often come back to wild deodorant who are okay. you know i think one of the most successful uh in many factors sustainable brands out there and if you ever see them post on linkedin or on social channels about you know the product you know they'll be talking about something cool and you know interesting and then everyone piles in below and go basically that everyone puts the same comment which is and it works it's the best deodorant i've ever had and it's like if the product wasn't great yeah we wouldn't all be using it it. and shouting about it and it wouldn't be working in the way it is so you still have to have a great product and actually i think if we're trying to buy less and making it last longer, we actually yes. end up with a better quality of product. Uh-huh. So we're kind of going back to the forties, fifties where products lasted and or even the eighteen hundreds or the nine not the nineteen hundreds, the eighteen hundreds where you'd have X number of garments and those would be kept and you or you know, or you're in the forties, fifties, sixties where you buy a dishwasher and it lasts for twenty years, Three not five. Years um let's not get too cynical about that particular angle but you know we're moving to it to a space where it's products we keep for longer which is you know it's it's a big shift
0: yeah it's a good there's a good shift hopefully um you mentioned a big word in there a big phrase that can't be ignored when talking about sustainability and that's greenwashing you know and and the like you say almost the negative well it's got a negative impact by by the fact that it's what it is but the knock-on effects in terms of you know people not wanting to shout about the good stuff they're doing because of it, like it, is it is it getting worse? You know, are, are consumers getting wise? Is actually is it getting easier to kind of dodge? Like where where do you think that greenwashing conversation's got to at the moment?
1: I think the the amounts of um, legislation that are being brought in is becoming a bit of a game changer, but I I do feel like the legislation is a bit like the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, in that. There are so many people doing it badly. Yeah. <laughs> How many are they yeah. actually going to prosecute? So I'm hoping, and they do so far seem to be kind of picking up some big name brands to to change the game at that level, which I think is all important. I think as a for the smaller brands or for all brands really, I think what you need to be need to adapt is um, be tran- transparent about what you're doing and be actively transparent. Mm-hmm. So. Say, we're really excited because we've changed this bit. We know we've got a long way to go, but we've done this bit. So we wanted to tell you about it. And I think if you're taking that approach, whatever's going on in kind of like the noisy PR news world of greenwashing and green hushing and all those kind of things is less critical. If you're taking the time to go, we finally worked out how to remove the plastic from our packaging here's how we've done it we know we're not yet perfect we're going to be working on these things or we've just moved our banking to a better provider you're not going to see much of a difference but it is making a huge impact on the planet and it was something we could do quickly next we're going to start working on this and you use that as ways you know saying to your customers this is how we're doing it this is how we're improving things and i think so long as you're transparent about it then you're fine because you know and this is the important thing to know about well, the whole sustainability piece is nobody knows how to run an e-commerce brand perfectly in the sustainable stakes. No one's doing it perfectly. No one knows how to do it perfectly. So you can't be wrong. You can just be on that journey. And I think that's probably the biggest mindset shift as you start to do this to your business, as you start to talk about it, and it was, the, it was a big one for me, you know, normally I don't talk about anything unless I've done a huge amount of experience in it and all the rest of it. And it's like, Sid. the world doesn't have time for Chloe to learn everything about sustainability. We need to, to get on that journey and to accept the fact, it's okay, yeah. we've not changed all the light bulbs yet. It's okay, yeah. we still have a wood burner. Um, we just need to focus on what we can do and talk about what we can do.
0: Well, and arguably, you can be part of the conversation sooner and learn from the conversation. Because yeah. if you put something out there and someone says, "Well, actually, did you know?" It's like I didn't know, but thanks, I now do. Because you know, you're putting yourself out there, and I think it's great advice for brands just to crack on with it and, and join the conversation. Because if you're part of the conversation, people know at least you're trying to face the right way. I think that's part part of it, you know?
1: Exactly. And it's, you know, it's one of these things where if you get, s- there's so much you can do, right? I'm, I'm trying to make my own business more sustainable as well. And I'm tackling it supplier section by supplier section. right? So we did banking last year. And then the Perfect. next big thing was trying to get my podcast to the point where I could tell everyone they were listening carbon guilt free. Okay. Oh, the maths, the trying to find the numbers and the maths. I reached the point where I was about to go and hire a PhD student to work it out for me. And then took Christmas off, came back, and lo and behold, someone has created a solution for making your podcast carbon neutral. And I was like, brilliant. It was a reminder to me that if you get stuck on something, go and work on something else for a bit and someone will probably solve the problem for you in the meantime. You know, there's so many changes we can make where the research has already been done for us and the how-to has been done by someone else for us. You don't have to solve all these problems yourself. You can just focus on the ones where... Someone's already worked out how to easily solve that problem.
0: It's a great point, and, and it's one I was I was going to sort of ask about. I, I listened to one of yours uh, your podcast the the week with uh, Jay Cowell on it, talking about um, energy use in ads, which I thought was fascinating because I think all businesses, but especially e-commerce, you know, digital-first businesses, we run websites, we've got adverts running continually. You know, all of these things that are just consuming energy in the clouds and, you know, we all know the cloud isn't anything but a bunch of dirty computers sitting in big warehouses with massive AC units. Mm-hmm. Um, they Are you seeing brands think about that? You know, we've talked about from the customer side, but there's also the supply chain side of it. Are you seeing people tackle that yet or actually is it, it's, is it still a more of the front end of the conversation around the product and the customer?
1: I think it's more at the front end um, and I think people are worrying also looking at the supply chain of the product. Mm-hmm. So the physical supply chain and the fulfillment and everything are getting looked at a lot. The digital marketing less, which it's kind of one of the reasons I got Jay on to talk about that. It's um, we've got a, a session coming up on the carb, zero carbon content marketing. So all about streamlining your website. Um, and one of the cool things I think about factoring the carbon impact into your digital marketing and your other marketing is generally when you make the right carbon decision, you also lower your costs and you quite often make your marketing perform better. So, you know, if you can speed up your website, that reduces the carbon load of your, de- of your hostings, which also speeds up your website, which is good for conversion rates and is good for SEO as well. It's like... You're winning on every front doing um, the right thing yeah it's it's the same with your ads and with your uh, your email sends and your direct mail sends it's not about stopping doing them it's about going hold on in on a financial standpoint we might you know if you've got like kind of 10 data segments from brilliant to the worst but here- and you go right well on a financial standpoint it's worth taking a pun on option 10 on segment 10 because it's not great but we might find a couple of people and we've got the budget so we'll do it and we'll get a little bit extra but it's nowhere near as good as the other segments you put the carbon into that and you go oh god that's horrendous the carbon per person actually whilst financially we can afford to do it maybe we should keep the cash in the bank not spend those carbon units and do it and not do it that way so i think it gets us all thinking a bit more about that and and I'm hoping that this year we can get people thinking a bit more about the digital marketing side of it the next now someone else has solved my podcast problem on my supplier audit side of things the yeah. next one I'm about to get stuck into is the cloud computing okay. side of things in my business and because this business I currently have has been around for 10 years like I said we've got 15 or we have got what eight years of podcasts now there are some very heavy files that quite mm-hmm. frankly i'm never ever going to use again lurking around probably in multiple systems certainly clogging up my dropbox possibly clogging up my google drive and all the rest of it yeah. so i'm going to be going on a bit of a mission to see how much i can reduce that cloud storage by um, without accidentally shooting myself in the foot by destroying my archive completely but yeah it's starting to think about this thing. You know, if, if it was all littered around the office i'd have cleared it out ages ago but because yeah. it's in Dropbox somewhere, there's all these heavy video files and recording files that quite frankly nobody needs anymore. So um so that's that's for for someone like me who likes things, you know, organised and tidy, it's actually quite therapeutic. I'll so bet. that's that's an element that you can do you could definitely do as well.
0: I, I haven't got the actual staples, which I appreciate opening a sentence like that is almost pointless, but <laughs> I can give you the sentiment of, of what I'm about to say in that I think it was almost Pareto's law in that, you know, 80% of the information that sits on the internet isn't used anymore. You know, we just we just have this because it's digital. We don't, we no one deletes anything. You know, I'm, I'm as guilty as that. I take 15 pictures of, of a family setting because I know that my kids will be playing silly faces in 14 of them and I'll get one. But then I don't go back and delete the other 14, you know, multiply that up by a few billion people, and, you know, five, 10 years, and it's just a pile of spinning discs somewhere or, you know, consuming energy so yeah it's a great great a great approach to take and, and a simple one i think that people can do in their businesses right it's so more it, product images you know you, you've you've do you even sell that product anymore but is it still have you still got 15 variations of that image sitting in a cms somewhere and yeah all of these sorts of things
1: well yeah and I, was, I was thinking about it and i reckon we've got um some of the files we've got them sat in our recording software being yeah. saved for us in a backup and the original file and yeah. then we've got something else out on Dropbox. We've uploaded it to our podcast host, yeah. and then it may have got sent somewhere else. On you know, we're quite we've always been quite good at not attaching things to emails and just saving them in Dropbox. But it's like, so there's so there could be so many duplicates of the stuff is even more scary. So yeah, you know that's something which any business can do. And if you you know if you take a screen grab of where Dropbox was when I started or Google Drive or whatever, and where it was when I finished doing this deletion. That's a cool email to send to your customers is we've just done a big digital clear up and this is going to reduce our carbon footprint by this without affecting you or affecting us. Um, You know, all those little stories give you something to talk about and consumers want that connection. They want to know more about the brand and it gives you so many ways, you know, to discuss it.
0: Yeah. That's a great one. Changing gear ever so Uh slightly. You've just had B Corp month um, and you've been talking a lot about it. Now, can we condense
1: the key <laughs>
0: themes of that month into the next few minutes? It's just be great, you know, you, you've talked a lot about it, but it'd be great just to sort of what, what are the key themes that have risen out of that month for you?
1: Oh, okay. So um I think the number one would be that if you're going to do a B Corp, if you're not going to do a sustainability rubber stamp on your business, then B Corp is a great way to do that. It's very. Uh, there is some high-level news stories around is be cop good enough and all the rest of it but out of all that's Rizzle. out there it is the one with the most validity um okay. it's and it's it's a great one to do um tying into that there are some amazing stats and i've forgotten all of these but <laughs> <laughs> they, today's a,
0: today's a good stats day for a analytics yeah, podcast
1: so many stats today but they've done analysis of of how successful businesses who've done B Corp in the UK are versus those who have similar businesses who haven't done it. And the process of doing B Corp fundamentally makes your business more successful, which brings me on to my third point, which is the B Corp process. It's not a fill in this form and forget about it. It becomes for those businesses who get the most out of it, it becomes a key way of running your business, a strategy for developing and improving the business. And even if you're not yet ready to become a B Corp, you can use their their system and their tick list for free to start the process of working out how to make your business more sustainable. So it's a really, it's not a take the qualification and stick it in the corner type thing. It's something which you can come back to week in, week out, month in, month out to to improve your business. So I think that was something I really learned from the process and that it's those businesses who are on the journey are getting an awful lot out of it, Interesting. getting there and then being there um, over and above what they're getting, you know, the, the workload that comes with it.
0: Interesting, because I was going to ask how do smaller brands, you know, we were a type of resource get involved, but I feel, think you've always answered well, that. I've got more that. on
1: that. I've got more okay. on that Tom because that Go. was that was a so we did one of the episodes I got a B Corp um someone who's helped a lot of companies become a B Corp and I got the audience to ask questions and a couple of the several a big theme in the questions was how big do you need to be um the B Corp pricing um takes into account size of business so it, it's not financially it's not against you to do it whenever you want to do it there is, if you're a one-person business, there's a whole section of B So to do B Corp, you have to get a certain number of, score, of points in their system. If you're a one-person business like I am, there's a whole section of points about how you look after your team. And if you're a one-person business, you fundamentally don't have a team. So therefore, it is harder to become a B Corp if you're a one-person business. Then the other key thing for size of business is if you're small, you're just starting, an awful lot easier to build the right systems processes etc into your business when you're small than it is when you're big so if if you think b cup is in your future even if you don't want to fully tick all the boxes and do the full process now go and have a look go and go and get yourself working through the b cup process because you will see all these lists of things you can do to acquire points and if you're building them in now That's going to be so much easier than if in a year's time you go, oh, that stuff we did last year, we need to redo it all because it didn't do this part of the B Corp stuff. So I think starting at any point, but knowing you can start and build it into your business without having to pay any money or commit to any workload is where I'd start for a smaller business. Bigger businesses, it's harder to do it, which I think is at the point at which you're looking at outside consultants to help you through the process.
0: That's a great answer. It's something I've, you know, it's on my mind, it's one, you know, we want Artify to to be like that. And it's the constant, constant tension. But now you've told me that, I'm like, well, we're just about to hit 10 people. We're starting to have to grow up and put processes in why don't i at least look at their frameworks and build it in i guess there's a lot of other businesses e-commerce businesses who will be in a similar position to say well if, if it's time to start putting processes in let's at least look what's there and and, and build them with those in mind so it's a great a great a great insight yeah it's um, um
1: it's something i've mulled over whether i should become one or not i won't be becoming one because partly because of the needing to tick more boxes and partly because you for me i have that that playoff between I could spend the time ticking the boxes to be a B Corp or I could produce more podcasts and speak more loudly about these things you know I could come yeah. on your podcast and talk about it or I could spend an hour working on my yeah, B Corp yeah. application and I can have more impact doing it that way yeah. I think as, a, as an agency or as a software provider or as an e-commerce brand you can have more impact by taking the B Corp route and then shouting about it once you've got it so I think you know, you yeah. have to make make your own decisions, but it, it's well, a great well, process to take a business through.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, hopefully you'll influence a lot more than just us from this podcast, even if you've helped us, right? We're, you know, just coming to a 10-person company and that hour has got a 10-person company to go, well, <laughs> it's not something just big companies have to do because I haven't had time to think about it. So so the, the the other thing, I guess, linked to B Corp and is 2022, so last year, yeah, got to check on with the right years, uh, <laughs> Nestle, Nestle were awarded it. Who you know are seen in the in the world as a as a uh, well. Mm. Let me just say, it's not the most favourable business if I've got my politically correct hat on. Like, they, they if a brand's like that diluting this badge, or actually, uh, do they just make good good headlines for newspapers about a fuss going on with B Corp, but actually within the core movement is ploughing headstrong, and they just you know they ignore that as an outlier. Like, what what's your sense there from? From what you spoke I mean, about uh,
1: my perspective is that and i'm i'm not deep in b corp land you know I yeah, yeah, part yeah. one of the reasons i did my b corp month was to learn more about b corp so you know i'm not a a spokesperson for b corp but the, what i understand of the process of becoming a b corp whatever nestle have done historically in the past they're clearly on a pathway to be being a lot better if they've managed to hit the numbers And when you when you reach the point where you're ready to submit and ask for certification, your business, you know, your application gets assessed by someone at B Lab to go, have they actually ticked the boxes on this? Are they actually able to be certified? It's not like you've ticked 80 boxes here immediately comes it. That's why there's a delay, why lots of people are going, we've submitted and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting because there's a bit of a bottleneck there. I would assume if Nestle came across the desk of someone at B-Lab, they'd have had a really good look at that before letting it through. Um, (laughs) They're also in the process of reworking some of it to to better reflect different types of business, different sizes of businesses. So they're working on it. I think with anything in the sustainability space, the bar is constantly going up and it should be, and we should be optimizing and and reassessing these things. So assuming nestle didn't lie on their application uh their certification then i don't have a problem with them being one i think the more times that logo seen by consumers the more it you know it, it gets them aware the more it builds awareness of the brand helps everyone else who's taken that that route um so i don't see it as a problem so long as it's not been done nefariously Just, i suppose
0: yeah great answer i think i think it, i think it's a good point Yeah, we 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 judge we judge a lot of things on on history and not necessarily the positive actions that might might be taken. You know, we we ask for these businesses to clean up and and behave behave better, and then when they do, we can then be doubtful of their motivations. Like, well, you've just asked you you know you've just been asking us to do it. We've done it, and now you're moaning that we're doing it and encroaching your standards. So yeah, I think it's a really it's quite an enlightened response to be honest with you compared to a lot of the <laughs> stuff I read where people were just it's wrong, they're horrible company. So yeah, it's a good yeah, way I- to think about it.
1: I think people do get the knickers in a twist about some of these things sometimes, and and you know it's great clickbaity content, but, yeah. um, I think it it kind of distracts from the the good that, hopefully Nestle yeah. and certainly the great majority of B cops are doing.
0: Yeah. So last question, it's a bit of a bit of an odd one. It was inspired by a post you put on LinkedIn the other day, and you've you've you already mentioned it about the journey that you're going on to yeah. make. You know your business and your personal life. Um, carbon free or, or carbon positive um, and it got me thinking about have you seen any consumer brands that are building um, carbon labels into their products and, and what I mean by that is food labels you know if, if I buy a can of coke I know that blows my daily sugar allowance, so I shouldn't eat anything sugary for the day and that big red thing says right Tom you've had a can of coke don't eat a donut right because that's just really bad for you now and I just wondered immediately not all products are going to be sustainable you know there's going to be a hit so are any brands thinking about making their carbon impact on the label like this is this is a high carbon product so consume them sparingly this is a low carbon product so consume it are you seeing anybody talking about that it was a random thought when i was reading your post because it's a big job are people trying to make it easier
1: i think I think it's somewhere we'll be heading. I, I'd be very surprised if in 10 years' time we don't have some kind of environmental um, traffic light system. I say 10 years because I suspect there's a good five years of the politicians trying to decide what those traffic lights should be. Because, you know, the, the you've got the carbon, you've got methane, you've got water, you've got all these mm-hmm. different resources. Then, you know, if you go to the UN full sustainability piece, you've got impact on other humans and... Um, all this biodiversity and all these different elements. So how you quite factor it in, I'm glad I won't be the one trying to work that out. Um, I think it would be good if we had that. But, you know, you see people putting carbon neutral on their packaging and various things, but I'm not I'm not sure I've seen anyone yet coming up with a percentage. Although oh, saying that, she says, remind, remembering things she was talking about last year, there are two brands two um, supplier side pieces who are working on this one is day rise a really really cool business an app you can integrate who do the carbon footprint and the sustainability footprint of your products and they'll assess it for you and then give you a score that you can put on your website so they've done a version you can put on the website and you can put um i think they've got a marketplace that goes alongside it very cool tech took them three years to work out how to do it so like the assessment that would normally cost I think they said $10,000 if you want to properly understand a product's yeah. sustainability state because they've got it down to a much lower, lower sum and then there's a new marketplace called Canopy who are imminently launching and they are vetting doing a more manual vetting process to then put in a, a sustainability score and there's quite a few other marketplaces in the in the in the space now who are trying to give consumers some idea of the good better best scenario i went the wrong way with the hands then good better That's best right. scenario as you you know as you try and try and pick between different washing up liquids or yeah. or fashion pieces so there's not there's not a lot of cohe, cohesion in that space at the moment but i think we're slowly working that way and i suspect we'll have we'll have a much better understanding and probably some kind of traffic light system in the next 10 years maybe even um some kind of carbon budget that we all try and get our heads around
0: awesome i love i love the fact that that was buried in there and it got surfaced what yeah. was a great <laughs> answer to... hold on like, no, i've got that yeah brilliant great <laughs> Le- um Chloe, thank you that's been fascinating um for me so thank you for thank you for coming on um, before we wrap, just remind people where they should go immediately after listening to this podcast to find you.
1: Well, you can find I've got the two podcasts, E commerce Master Plan and Keep Optimizing. So just search for those wherever you're listening to your podcast. Um, and you can find find me very easily on LinkedIn and just search for Clary Thomas and my website is e dot com. Simple as that. Thanks for having me on the show, Tom. It's been really good chatting with you.
0: Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Lou hope you enjoyed the interview with chloe hope you found it um as interesting as i did it was a fascinating conversation with chloe i hope you agree she's a she's a really cool guest you know from a personal note that conversation could have gone on gone on all week so yeah it was a really really interesting subject and she knows it knows it super well Um i'm now i have with ed ed how are you getting on
2: i'm good thank you tom how are you doing
0: yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Looking forward to kind of getting getting your view on um, what Chloe and I talked about. So, you know, dive, diving straight in, you know what what was your what was your take on the interview? Sort of what what jumped out for you? What what, what was of what was of note?
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I I think this area, you know, sustainability is fascinating um, in an e-commerce perspect. You know, environment like as as we as you pointed out in the interview, right? Like they sustainability in so many ways is about buying less stuff and e-commerce in so many ways is about selling more stuff right Mm -hmm. and uh, you know part of the kind of message i think that came out of that is like as e-commerce or in e-commerce and particularly in marketing we should not just be use sustainability as as a crutch to lean on right but actually to be something that we can live and you know give people an authentic sense of sustainability or not even sense that's the, that's the what you want to avoid right give people authentic sustainability in your product yeah i something that lasts longer or you need to buy less of yeah um and then that's something that you can uh that that they will latch onto and 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 people who are sustainability minded and idea. think about sustainability that's in their that's purchasing that's decisions a trend which is really increasing Will then become advocates for your product, right? because you're not just giving them the the great the great product, but you're giving them that sustainability journey as well, and helping them become more sustainable in their own lives, which is ultimately what I think a lot of you know I think a lot of people kind of think they would like to be more sustainable than they are, right you know we, we everyone I think is like a little bit lazy about it. Oh I uh, okay. I'll I'll say a bit less a bit less accusatory. I'm definitely a little bit lazy about it, right? Like, you know, there there's there's definitely more that could be done to be more sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, it's it's almost like giving giving people products that do that for them is is definitely something I think they will both enjoy as a product experience, but also share with you know share, share that, experience that experience with their, experience. their friends and family, right?
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think that was certainly part of what what we were talking about. And yeah, you know, my, my view to a degree, it's pe- pe- a lot of people want to to make themselves and their lives more sustainable. And but overcoming our habits is quite a hard thing, you know. So it's going to be yes, we need to change people's behaviour, and it's not to say we shouldn't. But we can't rely purely on behavioural change. And, and by behavioural change, I mean, you know buying different products not traveling as much you know we need to just make travel more sustainable however i think where behavioral change becomes really interesting is can we get people the smaller behavioral change buy something that's more expensive that's going to last longer you know that that i think is 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 a more is is an achievable behavioral change if it's if it's done right and if if you kind of use a lot of the stuff that we talk about
2: yeah i I think it's definitely, um, you know, there, there's there's additional challenges in some parts of e-commerce. Ultimately, when it comes down to this, because you know, if your model is kind of like fast purchase, you know, fa- fast frequent purchase, then you maybe need to think about how you change that model, right? So the example of of the baby wipes, you know, the the reusable baby wipes brand, right? That is a very much a a a behavioral change that you're asking people to go from you're asking people to go from using a disposable product that's there and they buy and they restock to a product that they're going to use over a long term Mm -hmm. and you know if, if you're someone who's using disposable baby wipes it's actually very hard to imagine what your life is like yeah if that's not your your routine you know like and and therefore that that's a situation where, as a marketer, your best, your kind of your best tool in your handbook, right, is people who've been using your product for a long time, right. You're talking about generating value over a long term, and that's really hard to communicate to people because they don't have the reference point, you know. So, and that's where longevity in your marketing is, you know, is important, right. So, a, a good example of this would be, you know, using influencers. Who use your product for a long period of time and then talk and I about that. I've been using it for six months, you know, and that this is the change it's made rather than telling people, Oh, if you use it for six months, it will do mm-hmm. something else. I thought, I, I thought it was also really interesting the way that Chloe focused on the idea of talking about the, you know, the non-sustainable benefits or the, sorry, the non-sustainability related benefits of, of, of products, which are sustainable. Right. So with the baby wipes example, it was, they'll save you money in the long run. Yeah. You know, the same with like, uh, you know, more expensive, but higher quality clothing Yeah. and that idea or, or, or having a smaller wardrobe because it's easier to choose out outfits, but you get more variety. Right. And that, and there's less waste and, and, and those sort of the idea is that while we want to be sustainable it, the things that really will change people's behavior are yeah. often not the sustainability the the, the, the the kind of components of the sustainability angle and the reason yeah. the, really the reason for that if you ask me i think uh is the fact that like it sustainability is impossible to weigh up in your head right like so hard to weigh up sustainability in your head right you you mentioned travel already right now A good example would be the comparison between like travel, you know, air travel and veganism. Right. Now it's very hard to explain even for a typical person, which of those is going to change their carbon footprint the most, you know, if you were to weigh it up.
0: Well, and then this was part of, I think the issue that Chloe was raising, right. That we, we get, we get bombarded with so much information, you know, that, you know, um, almonds have a carbon footprint of this Mm. because they're grown over here, you know, avocados kill kill bees, um, this, this. And so actually there's not, it's really hard to weigh up and say, well, this is better than this, or this is, this impacts less than this. And it's really hard to, as I said, it's really hard to compute and know, pretty hard to know if you're doing the right thing, because seemingly someone's got an argument that everything is bad, mm. and then it always feels that actually the only way to be sustainable sometimes is just to stand on the spot and hold your breath, and and then yeah. and then you do it okay.
2: Well, yeah, and and I, I do actually think this is like uh, partly this is actually the the product of something that's been going wrong for a long time, and that is that the sustain like in so many big companies sustainability has sat in marketing, right? Mm. When we look at this a bit broad broadly, so it's all, so it's become about talking about the things talking about what you do in a sustainable way as Mm -hmm. opposed to being in like an operations angle and doing things because they're sustainable right it's been about Mm -hmm. finding the sustainable aspects of what you do so like and and in that situation I, i just think that means that people have been sort of talking across purposes and trying to you know trying to build up the idea that they're sustainable rather than be, you know, taking, you know, a big panel and saying like, this is what we could do to be yeah. more sustainable. So I think related to that and, and, and sort of in the world we're about to come into as well, I think in the near in future, the beach, yeah. this is actually going to get a hell of a lot more yeah. complicated, unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then B, B, B Corp is a good example of this, right? So B Corp is talks about sustainability, but it's not actually completely about climate change right? It's about okay, other yeah. forms of sustainability. And we've got, um, you know, we've got the SDGs, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. There's 15 of them, I think. And, you know, they're to be achieved by 2030. And, and you know, sustainability is actually a, a big wide Neverland. kind of package of measures. And I think the next big the next one that big we're about, we're sort of seeing happen right now is biodiversity, right? And environment. And that yeah. confuses, I'm going to call it what it is that confusion between environment and climate change is only going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so in that, in that landscape, I think people will do what humans always do when they have to make hard decisions is they'll look to copy the people around them. And that is where they will find their inspiration for what is a good, what is a good way to be better for the environment or more sustainable and how do we evaluate our own lives as well in terms of their sustainability?
0: Yeah, and so, so really the opportunity there for, you know, businesses that view themselves in a sustainable life is almost how, how do you get those, you know, rather than trying to convince everybody, um, you know, like we've just said, there's a lot of confusion, H- how do you build, how do you build up and how do you build on the following you've already got in the communities you've already got, you know, however small they are, if people understand your value in the the sustainable conversation it's much easier for your brand to bring others in and around those people onto that conversation than try and convince everybody else you know from a cold start about you And i think as the conversation gets more confused people have to be more focused with who they're talking to to make sure that that their messages don't get lost because the danger here is all i think the danger here is at least especially for these you know, a lot of the, a lot of the brands doing well, doing the better stuff for challenger brands, by definition, they're smaller in the, as the complica- as the conversation gets more complicated, the consumer gets more confused and the consumer is more likely to do what they've already always done, which most of the time is buy from a kind of bigger, more established business. So really what we need to be thinking on as the conversation gets more confusing, Go deeper and spend more time speaking to those communities that already know and love your product, and build your base from there. Because that's the way you're not going to get lost in all the noise and all the confusion, and you're going to see through this period and actually make a big impact to to the sustainability goals that that you have as a business.
2: Yeah, um, and I think I, I think what what's important to flag there, because in in the interview, Chloe spoke, spoke quite a lot about you know sort of using sustainability as a lens through which to talk to your cust- your customers right. and kind of do th- do that thing of like like improving the value of your product to them by right. letting them know how sustainable it is right it's kind of making them feel good about themselves but also making sure they stick with you right and there is a lot in the sustainability space which is which is related to how you communicate your sustainability to your current customers. Yeah. What is much, much harder is yes. using sustainability as a piece of a marketing journey to new customers, to, to customer acquisition. And that's where you've really got to lean on those long term stories, and the long term customer experience, and then try and build, as you say, from those communities build your new customer base or your acquire customers from using as a core the customers that you already have.
0: Cool. Um mm-hmm. The last piece I wanted to touch on um so I think there's probably a big behavioral element here um, before we wrap up is the greenwashing part of the conversation. What, yeah. what, what, <laughs> if anything did you, did you pull from that?
2: So, I, I mean, I think I, I, I think the greenwashing is, is 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 definitely rising in prominence in terms of uh, people's you know salience for the issue. You know, people. I, I do think people are becoming more skeptical of claims, right? With the- um, in particular, people are becoming more skeptical of specific ca- claims, um, and that kind of makes your marketing even harder, right? Like, yeah. you know, if, if you have a specific, you know. Uh, be it a, you know, a pledge to be uh, net zero by a certain point where it's like, well, okay, does that matter? Everyone's got one. Are you going to achieve it? Or be that that you're going to cut you, you can say like, we've halved our carbon footprint. But that that people are kind of skeptical about that. Like, okay, well, that sounds like it was probably too easy. Like, how bad were you beforehand? And and how bad are you now? Um. So I think I think there are aspects of greenwashing out there right people do greenwash they use it as a marketing message but on top of that the suspicion that comes with that is that even if you're not greenwashing those marketing messages make it much harder to hit and that's yeah. and and it, you know for me it really it really brings to mind that Jeff Bezos quote right that your your brand is your brand is what other people say about you when no. you're not in the room and and so In the, you know, and I think that's that's, in the sustainability space, that's so true. It's what people think about you and how people talk about your brand as a green brand or not as a green brand Mm -hmm. is really, really where your sustainability credentials are laid down or your useful sustainability credentials are laid down, right? You could claim, you could be a carbon neutral company today, you know carbon um, net zero companies zero. day, but if people don't think about that, you like that, then you're then never going never go. to, uh, kind of have that. Um, yeah, you're, ne- you're never going to kind of get the credit for that. Right. I-, I guess probably one of the big, biggest examples of this is that like the biggest, uh, recipients, I think, or one, of, one of the larger, largest recipients of, of Funding for renewable energy resources, right? Are oil companies? Yeah, and the reason for that is that they are all, they are energy companies, so they're investing in renewable energy. Yeah, but they're never going to be able to rebrand themselves as a green company. When everyone sees that, everyone's immediately suspicious, right? Yeah. And okay, I think there are very good reasons to be suspicious of that. But at the same time, the same is with your company. If people think you're bad for an environment or you're unsustainable in some way, then you're never going to kind of convince them in an ad or even in a series of ads that you're different. And with the complex, the complex field that is sustainability, there's always going to be something else that they can say, this isn't, you you know, you're not very good at this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love, you know, bringing that point back to the Bezos point, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, but you know, brand isn't this big amorphous blob, right? You know, you don't have national brand awareness. You actually have what millions of different social circles around the UK are talking about you, right? And now if, Mm. if largely the majority of those hold the same view or or is largely positive, then you have a positive brand in the country, but it's this is, yeah i think it really, I, I like i like that framing about people it's bringing it back to its pockets its pockets of opinion you know like generally a social group will have a similar opinion about a brand and really it's it's what's the consensus across all of those social groups as they start to join up and i think it's a it's a it's a great way to a great way to think about it um you know especially in this this context where we're trying to educate people about our brands you know it's not just what we're putting out there well, it's not what we're putting out there. It, it's what's being transmitted from you know our customers or consumers out you know out in the real world, which is yeah is is a, is a really important lens.
2: Yeah, I think I think that kind of like come where well, it kind of comes back to that association of like different types of sustainability with each other and how they they fit together. Right now, so <laughs> I, I, an example um, would be in. In Bristol, where I live, there's like a growing number of like zero waste shops, right? Now they're zero waste, which is a big behavioral change to become zero waste. And that's quite like a, you know, a a clear and obvious stamp for sustainability, right? And there is an assumption that I make that they would also be good for the environment in many other ways, right? I assume they're going to be like low, you know, they're probably going to try and be environmentally friendly in other ways, but there is absolutely no evidence for that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or Sorry. There's no evidence that I'm aware of for that. Right.
1: It's yeah. just an assumption
2: based on two things. One, they're they're the, the fact that they're making this stand in, in, in being zero waste. And two, the people that I know that shop there are concerned about those things. And therefore I kind of assume they've checked the brand for me. Right. And it's that sort of, and that, that's kind of how brands build these, these, this analysis and build, build their, their image in the, in the sustainability space. is is the stories and the, the kind of concerns of the people who use them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great. That's a great, a great point to end on. Um, So, yeah, I think, let, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one. As I say, we think it's a very important, important topic of conversation, which goes without saying, but I think understanding behavioral change here, behavioral change full stop, but behavioral change is really important here. And and actually, you know, understanding the value of the communities within that is, is something that probably doesn't get talked about enough. So yeah, hopefully you took away some, some useful stuff from both the interview with Chloe. And as as usual, um, sort of the interesting stuff that, that Ed brings to the table as well. So, um, Ed, thank you for joining, as usual.
2: Thank you very much. It's been great talking to you again, Tom.
0: Stuff. And, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, we shall see you next time on uh, The Grapevine. And as usual, if you haven't already, subscribe and uh, like the episode. If you know any, uh, any lovely marketers out there who, who are interested in growth in behavioral science or, you know, how new technology can help them, send this podcast their way. And we will see you on the next episode. Take care.